Selena Kyle. You're fired. And Bruce Wayne. Why are you dressed up like Batman? Because he is Batman, you moron. Was. You killed me. The penguin killed me. Batman killed me that. Three lives down. You got enough in there to finish me off? One way to find out. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. This is our Christmas episode. It is. Because we always drop episodes on Friday, and every major holiday this year, did you know this, Pete, fell on a Friday. Uh, Yes, I remember that meme going into 2020 where we thought the holidays were going to be mad lit fire this year. We don't like to talk about that. But we don't like to talk about that. (laughs) Oh, boy, oh, boy. Listeners, my name's Pete. And I'm Scott. And And these are are the movies movies that that made us gay. Pete, we are talking about a movie that was voted by the public. Mm -hmm. We had a Tim Burton face-off of Edward Scissorhands and Batman Returns. And Batman Returns won by a landslide. Excellent. Which I'm excited to talk about it because we have the same bat guest on the same bat podcast welcome back to the show dylan hey chapman hey welcome back dylan hey there nice to be back i was i was practicing that intro the whole day (laughs) batman guest returns hey yeah you're our you're our (laughs) go-to batman guy i love it even though we've been doing these batman movies out of order but it doesn't matter that's not the idea we aren't doing an anthology but uh each one of these batman movies contributed to Scott and I's queerness. Especially this one. (laughs) Like, I I feel like I have a soft spot for the Joel Schumacher movies because of Chris O'Donnell as Robin, as Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy. But this is the one. This is the one that's like the real shit right here. Michelle Pfeiffer. It's the Michelle Pfeiffer movie. Yes. So good. And uh, Dylan, you are our resident straight that we invite back for every Batman movie for your... Uh, for your awesome opinion, but um, when was the last time you watched this movie? Uh, I have to say, I probably haven't seen it since the nineties. I wow. might have watched it. I might have watched it uh, before uh, Batman Forever. Um, sure, and maybe again for Batman and Robin, but I don't think I'd seen it since. Um, yeah, uh, it has to be the had to be the nineties. I don't think I've seen it in twenty years, at least. Wow. And, and I, um, I mean, to have watched it again, <laughs> love it. 
Yeah, that's great. great. Yeah, I was gonna say because we watched it last night. Um, I feel like we watched this fairly. We frequently. usually watch it about. I mean, in, in maybe, the winter time, sometimes a few times a year. Yeah. Um, so we're you know super familiar with it, and when I was thinking about last night as we were rewatching it was just how kind of it's so stylized, right? Oh, yeah. And I'm just thinking, what do people who have never seen this movie maybe are new to, like, Tim Burton's, you know, over, over. Is that how you say that? Auteur. (laughs) Auteurness. Sure. Um, Like, how does that come across, you know? I mean, it's a lot to unpack, but did that hold up? Were you just like, what the hell? I was – the word I'm looking for – it was it was so um it wasn't like jarring to me but it was i was kind of surprised at how how it bridges the the batman 89 with the schumacher stuff it's much more desaturated but mm-hmm. um and and much more um plausible like he's he's living in a a, a rundown amusement park so all of this sort of inventory exists for like the kidnapping train and all the, all the ride cars and things like that. So at least there's a jumping off point for that, but the, it immediately takes you out. 89 was sort of the, um, the Batman begins realistic superhero, even though it wasn't. And then this one is immediately, like back to Batman 66, there's, there's camp in there and mm-hmm. there's so many one-liners and um, just the, the carnival goons where they felt like <laughs> it might really be a, a gang. Now everybody has a carnival gang. Like it's established. Everybody has sure. an entourage, lots of art department time, um, a lot of... <laughs> Like Craigslist ads, do you paint mini figurines? Boy, we'd like to have you make some bombs for us. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I thought it was, I, I was surprised at how much, like the Schumacher wasn't that much of a departure from this. And yeah. I think Burton get, gets more credit now for me after revisiting yeah, totally. I agree. I think that this movie kind of sets up a lot of tropes that Schumacher really kind of like hammered in with like the villains having their little origin like vignettes. Sets up two villains for a movie. Right. Almost three. Shrek was supposed to be two faced. Sure. Yeah, yep. that's true. A that's little amazing. bit of rewriting with Daniel Waters' script. And also the, another kind of wacky uh kind of subheader of this movie is that it's written by daniel waters who did heathers and he did a rewrite of the script that i think was more of a traditional sequel to the 1989 movie and tim burton really didn't want to retread old material and he liked the movie heathers and he liked john waters writing style so they both kind of make this really interesting combination yeah, the writing is definitely more over the top um, than than the first movie, but it works because that campiness mm-hmm. with 
I don't know if it's just Michelle Pfeiffer and Danny DeVito elevating it because they're both so good, but well, because it's crazy. <laughs> Wild, <laughs> younger than me. I, I, I did the math. I did the math of the Cobblepot character thirty-three years <laughs> later. I was like, no way! Oh my god! <laughs> His character That's is thirty-three. Amazing. He's just all grown up. <laughs> <laughs> Scott noticed when he goes to the uh, cemetery and finds their headstones, there's no dates oh, yeah. on there. It just has their names. And he's right. like, there's no dates on there. And I was thinking, well, that would, I mean, it would date the movie. You and it has they want this, it to be timeless. Yeah, it has this timeless feel. Although, I mean, it has a timeless feel to it. But when you watch it, you're just like, oh, so it's the 40s then? Yeah. Because. Because I think more so in this movie, you know, in in the first one in in eighty nine, Vicky Vale was very period nineteen eighty nine. You know, she mm-hmm. was contemporary. Bruce dressed in contemporary clothes. Um, a lot of the extras did, and really there was you know the uh, Bruce Wayne's parents flashback, which looked very forties, but. Right. There was a melding. In this movie, it's like, this is a period movie, you know, for, I would say, it's like 80% there. Yeah, they they really tried to put that genie back in the bottle in terms of um, the the time frame, which is is fine. It wasn't, not hard, but um, definitely, yeah. yeah. I didn't didn't even realize the no numbers on the tombstones. I must have been writing something down. <laughs> I never caught it. Scott He's just called it out last night. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Um, do you remember when I uh, think back in your memory when this movie was coming out? The crazy hype. Crazy hype. Like, do you remember how nuts it felt like the biggest movie of all time? Yeah. yeah uh, did you watch? So my Apple um TV version of it has all the extras. There's a yeah. 30 minute making of with Robert Urich hosting it. I watched sure. that. Last I, night I have too. a memory of that. <laughs> I watched that last night too. I fast forwarded, fast forwarded through it, and I was thinking, Spencer is for hire. He's, I was going to say, what does he put? Why did they go to Robert Urich? <laughs> yeah, he's he had to do some sort of a contract obligation with like <laughs> Warner. I don't know. But yeah, I remember um, Batman Returns was huge hype just because Batman yeah. 89 was such a massive event. Like, here it comes again. Um, I was I? I think I was – that was a summer before my senior year. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I remember that pretty well. It was it was a big deal. And, I, I you know, everybody has a thing for Michelle Pfeiffer, so – um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I but... specifically remember bus uh, bus ads being stolen, like bus shelters being like destroyed so people can pull the posters out. Um, I remember seeing the trailer with my sister. Uh, I don't remember what movie we were watching, but I remember seeing the trailer, and that's all we talked about when we got home. Like I don't even remember what movie it was that we saw. But I remember specifically, you know, being picked up from the movie theater, or she might have driven because she was your age, um, and just only talking about that trailer, like how cool it was. Oh yeah, it was it was ridiculous. It was and you have no everything. real reference besides the TV show for a lot of these characters and images True. that 
it just would have been a fucking trip to see Danny DeVito and Michelle in those costumes. Yeah. Oh, also the 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 departure for the penguin look was mm-hmm. hugely just weird. It was it was so uh hitchhiking ghost almost <laughs> um, in yeah. the silhouette, like the hair and the shape of it. It wasn't Burgess Meredith anymore. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. And I could look at those publicity stills of <laughs> Michelle with her with her hands in front of her face. She's almost like voguing. I could look at those all day. I think th- I think they're so beautiful. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And there's something about the way that costume fits her. Yeah, it, it, getting back to that, I I tried to find because Tim Tim is so um, involved in the design process. Mm-hmm. The the Catwoman suit, after seeing it like um, being featured in front of my face after all this time, it reminded yeah. me so much of Jack Skellington and Sally put together. So it was it was like yeah. a reverse out the giant eyes, and so you can see seventy percent of her face. I mean, it, it's disguise yeah. wise, it's clearly you know suspension of disbelief there. But yeah. <laughs> on the flip side. She has to do that whip work herself because yeah. you can see who's doing you it. Can. It's, yep. You can. You can't just yeah. put a double in there. So I was trying to find some like whip training. I was trying to see if I could find some um, uh, uh, drawings of Tim, if, if he had designed that suit or if it was someone else. Like, uh, So, yeah, I'm Googling whip training and cat suit. And I found all <laughs> kinds of different things. I just didn't find that. I'm sure. Well, Michelle on her Instagram, Michelle Pfeiffer has an off-the-hook Instagram account if you don't follow it. It's pretty cool. But she posted a video about a year and a half when she first signed up that she was doing the whip training on it. It was like one of her first big videos, and she was still pretty good, but she was like – she took that thing out in the yard, and she like tried to hit her marks. Holy crap. That's amazing. Good on Mm -hmm. her. I feel like I I have memory of her being on like Leno. And sure, him, I like, think you're right. Yeah, do, like demonstrating yeah. or Letterman yeah. or something like that, <laughs> or yeah. Arsenio. But those were some great tricks. Like she did the she did the body oh, wrap yeah. with it. She was able to hit marks. Um, that body wrap is so cool, and it's in camera. She just whips it around herself, and it's like, and let's go. Yeah, and it's just there. It, 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 it would have been CG if it was done now. Like they would have oh, just totally. had some stage some prop guy knocking a head off and they would have yeah just put that in but they couldn't so yeah no yeah and you get that big money shot of her in the department Probably. store hitting all the mannequins i searched money shot hitting the mannequins <laughs> i didn't do find that. anything about tim burton uh. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead when we watched it last night Obviously, we said we watch this a lot, and and it's something that we comment on every time we watch it, but it's just this thing when these characters are so compelling and these actors that have been cast are so perfectly cast that you kind of forget that it takes a minute for Bruce Wayne to show up, and then he actually doesn't – I don't think he has any dialogue for – 
20, 25 minutes of this I, I wrote, movie? And if it's dialogue, this, it's like brief sentences. I wrote this down. Okay, There's 13 minutes before Keaton appears. Oh, my God. And then we don't see him fight as Batman until like minute 55. We see him driving around, checking stuff out. But we don't see him show up until almost an hour into the movie as Batman, wow. almost like Jaws. Because <laughs> wow. I, I have to go, all of the, the actors. <laughs> I have all of the actors screen time of this movie. I love it. So Danny DeVito, 38 minutes and 57 seconds. Michelle Pfeiffer, 36 minutes and 46 seconds. Michael Keaton, 32 minutes and 24 seconds. Followed by Christopher Walken at 26, just over 26 minutes. So Batman eventually returns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Batman's also <laughs> almost playing the girlfriend character I, of a Batman movie, too. Totally. Totally. I totally agree with that. He's, he's, uh, That's he's a secondary character, almost. Yeah. So, I mean, objectively, Selena Kyle is the protagonist of this movie. I, I mean, was, Is that wrong to say that? I was curious because I know that there probably was not any Oscar conversation with Michelle Pfeiffer in 1992. There was, but it's for a movie that no one saw called Love Field, which she got lead actress, like a lead actress nomination for. I was curious of like what you would run Michelle in lead or supporting. Lead. Yeah. It kind of has to be lead. Is is Bruce the Mary Sue? (laughs) (laughs) A little bit. Kind of. He know he he does a lot of stuff right. He knows how to do everything. Yeah. Damn <laughs> His it. last name is Skywalker. Oh wait. Um. Because he chose. So. Um, yeah. Went back to perfect characters. I do want to mm-hmm. uh, talking about masks. So, um, Keaton is just so awesome in the cowl. Seeing yeah. like all. Everybody's chin is clearly featured. Obviously, Pattinson <laughs> is going to be really going to really cut a figure as Batman, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really stoked to see that. But um, I remember uh, just the um, the casting of Keaton and the first images I saw of him in the cowl. Just how like oh okay yeah, um, yeah. and and seeing him they really did the light ups of the eyes and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the armor this time instead of just the, the molded body. But, uh, yeah, he, and also he was, he's the same height as, um, Michelle. So he he even had a tiny guy. Yeah. She even had some little, uh, heels on and he probably had a a heel on himself, but they were, you know, in, in scene, like, you know, eye to eye the whole time. But, uh, yeah, sorry, I uh, got off on tangent. Especially in that uh, that Christmas party where they're, where they're slow dancing to Susie and the Banshees. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, I love that scene. <laughs> uh, we should talk a little bit about um, industrialist Max Shrek. Well, actually, we'll talk about the Penguin because if, we're, if we want to go a little bit in order, the movie starts out iconically because the two uh, – First people that we see on screen. Oh, Paul Rubens, <laughs> who is just yeah. on our last episode of Pee Wee's Christmas Special, is yes, the first indeed. shot of the movie yes, as, as uh, Oswald Cobblepot. Oswald, no Cobblepot. The penguin is Daddy, Oswald. Daddy Penguin. <laughs> and uh, Mrs. Cobblepot is played by Diane Salinger. Diane Salinger. Yeah, 
So, Simone. friend of the pod, Au Mitch, revoir. who was a guest, who was last on a, who was last a guest on our Little Shop of Horrors mm-hmm. and Bride of Frankenstein mm-hmm. episode this week, gave us a cameo from Diane Salinger, and she introduced herself on the cameo as "It's me, Diane Salinger, Penguin's mom." Yeah, I died. Yeah, it was kind of amazing. And he told me that you are actually shooting a podcast called Movies That Made Us Gay. And you're going to shoot an episode about Batman Returns. And I played the Penguin's mom in Batman Returns and uh, Diane Louise Salinger. And I just want to wish you a wonderful Christmas and have a fantastic time doing this podcast about Batman Returns. I don't recall if I caught it as a kid. I caught Paul Rubens, of course. But I think it might have taken a while for me to go, oh, that's Simone. Yeah, same here. Um, but this backstory of the Penguin. Now, I'm not super familiar of Penguin's arc in the comics. If Penguin even has an arc in the comics. Does he? I don't know. I'm not I'm not that yeah. familiar with, with Penguin. I don't know yeah. if he has an origin story or if he just is sort of like already a titan. And I haven't mm-hmm. watched any of the newer series that sort of explore that, so I'm a loser. Penguin from the comics was almost probably like a mob boss, I think. Right. Yeah, because it was a tuxedo yeah. that made the the whole thing. Yeah, he had a he had a long nose, um, but yeah, I think he was more. I know people are going to get say I'm stupid, right? But... <laughs> Sure. I I think our listeners I think our listeners are going to give this all a pass. I don't think there's too many of our listeners that are going to be shaking their fists at 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 this at this little at this portion. And if you are, shut up. But um I I think it's really cool what they did with this kind of origin of, yeah. you know, the penguin being, you know, kind of like physically uh differently abled. You kind of get that uh that the theme of freaks in this movie. Yes. That the bat, the cat, and the penguin are yeah. all freaks in their own way. They're all a bunch of furries. Mm-hmm. But um, he didn't fall into anything to become a freak. Uh, true. Yeah. yeah. He didn't need to fall into a vat of paint, ooze, <laughs> ice water. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I like that uh, when we see Paul Rubens, that's kind of the classic penguin imagery he had the the cigarette holder the monocle and all that and he looks like you know that yeah he was he was vintage penguin (laughs) they tried to go the most literal he looks like the character in in gotham well is i think he plays the same character in gotham you're right i think you're uh, man i'm a dumb dumb (laughs) i'm gonna have to to watch it all over again (laughs) you boob you are what am i I feel like we knew that and we didn't even watch Gotham. I, yeah, I think I read about it. I, I, I like the actor who is Oswald in, on Gotham. Um, and he I, has a very creepy look to him, too. He does. That really fits the character. He does. That actor's, uh, that actor's gay as well. Oh. How about that? Come on the show. <laughs> You're welcome on, whatever your name is. Um, so we get so this fun... <laughs> we get this fun intro, you know, where they're just like horrified at this child because they're like rich and snobby and you know And they downplay it in that brilliant way where they're not reacting to it says everything. 
yes. just the looks on their faces as they see their their precious cat just get like pulled into this cage from this like <laughs> penguin child and they just like they just down their martinis they just down their martinis yeah i wish there would have been an overflow there overflow <laughs> <laughs> penguin <laughs> penguin Chester. Uh, Wait, how yeah, did he, so how that did scene he find is... out his name? How did he find out his name was Hall of Records? Records? Okay. Because I watched half the movie and then I watched the other half and then I was trying to remember, like, how did he find that? Okay. Hall yeah. of Records. The, the whole Hall of Records situation is part of, like, a scheme to, like, get the firstborn children and all of that, which is kind of... Just a MacGuffin, but you know. Yeah, when I first, that's neither here nor there. When I first saw it, I thought he was trying to figure out who Bruce Wayne, who who um, Batman was. But then that falls right, apart. Right. Like, why would he care? He would have to know Batman was an orphan. Yeah, exactly. I was in high school. <laughs> but um, it's it's just such a cool idea of okay, so. They get rid of him. They throw him into, you know, I mean, this is the Central Park Zoo. Like, this is obviously like a, a stand-in for Central Park in New York. They throw him in this little like stream or whatever. He eventually goes into the sewers, and he and he becomes adopted by the sewer penguins that have been left behind from the abandoned Gotham Zoo, which is like which genius. has a power. Surface. Love it. That's why the AC still works. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> So we're okay. good. Like they, they thought of every weird thing, except oh, for, they did talk about Gotham the, having a power surplus. Yeah. The, except for like showing evidence on TV. <laughs> what? Like, I, like, every know, time they, he's holding <laughs> the huge Ziploc bag with the battering in it, holding it up to the camera. The, the PlayStation controller <laughs> battering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. There is just weird questions of this movie that. Daniel Waters' script oddly answers somewhere in it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it, like an, like there was a draft to sort of make it a little bit more airtight. And, yeah. you know, it's some of them are like, you know, the power surplus. Well, that's why he's able to run a three-story air conditioner undetected. But, <laughs> hey, at least the base is covered. Yeah, yeah. The groundwork is all laid out. Yeah. Um, there is some... Those shots of those damn penguins that when you see the real little penguins next to the robot penguins, <laughs> I think it's so cool. I was reading stories that Stan Winston had when they would they would uh, wrap shooting at the end of the day and they would have to literally pick up the real penguins from like trying to cuddle with the robot penguins because they just assumed that this is Bye one of ours. Life. I think some of the um I think some of the like stand-in emperor penguins might have been like little people in shirts sure. as well. I think the Paul Bear R2D2 style. Yeah. Yeah, the Paul Bear ones. Um when we oh I also remember at the time there was like kind of like backlash from like like PETA or whatever that were like you know cuz they shot this in Burbank like at Warner Brothers and they're just like Penguins don't belong in a movie set and, you know, all that. But I think, like, they went through great pains to keep the environment cold and all of that. But yeah, they, I, I, I specifically remember watching, like, you know, Entertainment Tonight or something. And 
there being like a big kind of like kerfuffle about about the pink the the treatment of the penguins on on the Batman Returns set, which whatever. <laughs> they yeah, lived. I'm sure they had their own trailer. Of course, yeah, they had with uh, uh, an ice bar and. Uh, oh yeah, that. Uh, yeah, I'm sure they were all taken care of, and there was probably a handful of penguins that were just shot over and over and over again. Oh yeah. And then yeah, they probably sure. did robots as much as they could. Yeah. Um, when we cut to the present, I like that there is newspaper headlines about the mysterious penguin man who lives in the sewers. He's like this Bigfoot character of Gotham. Yeah. Which is fun. Mm-hmm. It's very comic booky, but it's also very New York. You know, people talk about like the alligators in the sewers. So that that it's... weird rat like ball. Oh, you mean a rat king? The rat king. <laughs> yep. Scott's obsessed with rat kings. He wasn't familiar with. King. You know about a rat king? Oh, no. you got to look it up. So a rat king is like, we don't know if it's a myth or if it's real. But people in New York say that a rat king is when like a colony of rats that they all get uh, like stuck together by their tails. Like a gestalt They all get rat. ratted up with each other. Yes, exactly. And they just become this big giant ball of gross like rats, like some half dead, half alive, and they're all tied together by a big clump in their tail by like, you know, just like detritus and like poop and stuff. Like the fatbergs of London. <laughs> Have you heard gross. about those? The yes. fatbergs. Yeah. That's so disgusting. <laughs> I hate it. I don't even like hearing about it. I'll have to Warren do a Google Zivon search on that later. <laughs> Warren Zevon would do a great song about the fat birds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So um, this is where we get introduced to Max Shrek, who, uh, as we talked about earlier, was originally written – as Two-Face, um, you know, there's a lot of stories about Billy D. Williams, you know, from from Batman 89, who was paid out to not be in this movie, right, when they decided that it's not going to be Two-Face. It's not going to be Harvey Dent anymore. Because they set up – he's a big part of, of Batman. Yeah. And he's Harvey the entire time. Yeah. You know, and me as a – you know, like – 11 years old, I didn't know from Harvey Dent. So I was just like, oh, okay, you know, he's this character. And they wouldn't have called him out as Harvey Dent without thinking that they were going to eventually pay that off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder why. I wonder, obviously, uh, I'm trying to figure out how this, how it got rewritten to where Max Shrek is being held in a cage or, or how he how he would go from being district attorney to being Titan of industry. Obviously that was a way to propel the Shrek character, but I'm yeah. not really, um, but I, I wonder about the firstborn thing. So Shrek's firstborn is chip chip. Oh, I now, love chip. If, if he survived the re the rewrite and if he was Harvey's son, he would be chip Dent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, Which I, I see where you're going there. Really good, like sort of, you know, the way they do the naming and uh, the nomenclature. Yeah, Chip Dent. But instead, we got 
Butterfinger from Hudson Hawk. If he, <laughs> is if that? The, yeah, same actor. Oh, yeah, Andrew, that actor has a crazy look to him. Hey, Andrew Brynjarski. He, he kind of yeah. looks like a roided out uh, walking, though. It's not bad casting. Yeah, that's no. how I think we were just listening to the Tim Burton commentary, and I think that's how they described him when they were casting him: is a Christopher Walken type on steroids, like a Bane. <laughs> yeah, Bane, totally. Bane yeah, it's Butterfinger. Oh my God, that's crazy. <laughs> I, I, I. I I have a weird thing for Hudson Hawk where it's like, I feel like it's kind of watchable. Uh, I'm going to go a step further and say I really enjoy Hudson Hawk. See, and, uh, there you go. <laughs> and I've probably seen it more than I've seen a lot of other movies. And uh, <laughs> I enjoyed the shit out of Hudson Hawk. I thought it was really, really fun. I thought, um, uh, why am I forgetting his name? Um Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. No, the villain. Uh, oh, ri- uh, Richard E. Grant. Yeah, I w- I always wanted Richard Grant for Snape. I thought he would have been a. Yeah, good I remember Snape. you mentioning oh, that. Oh, he would have been a really mm-hmm. good Snape. But so was Rickman, obviously. But yeah, but anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I loved Hudson Hawk. That's neither here nor there. <laughs> it's a it's a fun movie, but you. okay, yeah, okay, but. Max Shrek is such a weird character. This crazy wig. Like, what is this look? He's wearing a crazy wig. He's got, like, major eye makeup going Mm -hmm. on. He's got, like, contoured nose and eyebrows. I don't understand what they're going for with this Yeah, I'm trying to think of is Is there some robber baron in the past that I'm not thinking of? That looks yeah. like a, well, even with the name Max Shrek, it's the actor who played Nosferatu. So he, there's something very like right. sinister, sinister even about that name too. But it's not like yeah, but visually, this crazy white. Ha- I don't know. Oh, it's pretty wacky. Because Christopher Walken's crazy enough looking on his own. Yeah. They could have just had him with the flat top, and it would it would have worked. Been intimidating. They, they could have just taken Christopher Walken from Fat Boy Slim video yeah. and just put yeah, him, yeah, he, throwing him in there. It was a really uh, interesting. I, I guess maybe just to give him a different silhouette than the other yeah. characters. I don't know. I mean, I'm tr- I'm trying to think of like Dick Tracy, how they really went it, to yeah. great lengths to sort of do that. So maybe that was sort of what they felt was necessary. Yeah, that that tracks. It it's it's giving me a little Dick Tracy in the the proportions and and all of that. Um they weren't really going for that much of a straight comic book feel with the rest of the imagery, but I mean, at least it's something for us to grab grab onto with with mm-hmm. this character, which is so weird. Um he is an industrialist who owns a big department store. Yeah. Attached <laughs> Power to plants. Giant building. Okay. Uh, I understand that this movie is very set bound. If we see the sky at all, it's nighttime and it's very much, uh, what, what do you think? Matte paintings? Yeah. You know? Big builds and matte We don't really paint. see any outdoor 
shots whatsoever. This is completely inside studios. But the way that this square that they shoot most of the, you know, exterior scenes with the like Rockefeller Center stand in, you know, Christmas tree and all that. But it's like the building behind it is just like there's no windows. It looks like a wall. Mm-hmm. Like it looks like yeah, there's you're a, inside of a fortress. There's nothing lit. Um, there's yeah. just a lot of a lot of darkness and a lot of layers. I can't really. It's almost like Ready Player One density. Yeah. Of um, vertical living, it's really hard to make it out. But it looked good. I mean. <laughs> No, it looks great. And I think it kind of speaks to, I think Tim Burton's idea is that Gotham and the architecture of Gotham is confining. It's intentionally confining, Mm -hmm. oppressive, um, claustrophobic and ugly. Mm -hmm. America's only ancient city would be Gotham. And it's just stacked layers and metal and concrete. And yeah. Yeah. And we see the beginnings of Schumacher's Gotham. Yeah. With the statuary and the, you know, this uh, expressionist, German expressionist, you know, um, metropolis style, you know, uh, human figures, male figures, pulling gears and levers and all that stuff, which is like taken to like the millionth degree in Schumacher movies. It's set up here. Um, But yeah, the square is just so gray and dark and, and, very, I feel like more so than eighty nine. It feels very much like you're in a set and you're and you're inside almost. But I don't know. It still works. Oh yeah, it's super effective. Yeah. Um. But so Shrek is not um the mayor of Gotham, but he's running the show like the uh you know. The Red Triangle Circus Gang, big donor. Yeah, they they say earlier in the movie they're like, oh, we want to we want to see the one in charge. And the mayor steps up and he's like, oh, oh, not you, Shrek. You know, which that guy he's in Ghost. He's in Ghost. You can also spot Doug Jones in the circus too. Doug Jones is there. I didn't notice. He's the the tall skinny clown. Holy crap! Yeah, from uh, Doug Jones, famously from. The Del Toro movies, Shape of Water and and uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Did I watch the right Batman movie? <laughs> <laughs> so, so Max Shrek is just like this gross, you know, they don't imply that he's got like mob connections, but like he's probably got mob connections. This guy is just sort of is the mob. Right. Yeah. In Gotham, too. Yeah. And Walken is really well cast because he can be creepy and weird and unpredictable, mm-hmm. you know? Like, there's, I mean, there's a great scene with him and Selena Kyle right before he shoves her out the window where he plays that off, that, like, that joke of, like, oh, I'm going to kick the shit out of you. And then he actually shoves her out the window. That scene is amazing. Yeah. So good. Um, but yeah, I, there's a lot with this Shrek character that when you're watching it today and, you know, with Chip 
and you know with the department store and like all this stuff that you're just watching this and you're just like oh my god fuck my life where have i seen this asshole mm-hmm. before <laughs> unlimited poontang <laughs> i had to back it up wait wait where does he say unlimited poontang oh when he's trying to get cobblepot to run for mayor he said i had to oh. run it back like four times what <laughs> unlimited poontang. i don't think i've ever caught that yeah <laughs> It's what he says to him. <laughs> and this movie's crazy now when you revisit it that uh, the person who we're talking about is almost a combination of Max Shrek, Chip, and the Penguin. And the penguin. It's just this weird uh, combination of all three of them. Totally impressive yeah. his influence on all of them. Yeah. And especially when... The penguin does run for mayor, and there's this weird like cult of personality where people are just like, "Sure, let's uh, let's recall the mayor and let's vote in this guy." Who's... We're going to be voting for not a politician, yeah, a man of the people. That's right, a, a disruptor. <laughs> yeah. Although the one thing that this movie got wrong was when uh, his like, you know, bad ill words of of gothamites gets out to gotham city they actually turn on him yeah in reality no one cares it doesn't work (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know that that is not the truth i moved on i moved on like a bitch (laughs) (laughs) they let you do what you want when you're a celebrity (laughs) yeah it didn't it, it it worked it actually halted his political ambitions and he even stopped using his birth name. Oh, I wish that oh, would work yeah. in real life. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I would like to talk a little bit about how Selena Kyle is introduced. I really like her journey in this movie. Yes. Of that she starts as this sad, lonely secretary. I think that Selena, if you were to give this character a backstory, I think that Selena probably went to school for fashion. I think she wanted to be a fashion designer and she just ended up sort of working her way up the secretarial pool and just ended up with this executive assistant job and she just hates and she just sort of hates herself for it this is sort of the dark places that this movie goes to that you never see major movies do anything like this with characters that selena just actively hates herself and puts herself down and that shit gets dark yeah especially how she's introduced I'm on board with that. When you go back to her apartment mm-hmm. and you see it's that sort of like nudie blush color, everything monochromatic. Yeah. She has neon in her. Uh, she's obviously some design student that yeah. took a took a hard left somewhere. Um, but I and she totally blends in with the set when she first goes home after being humiliated at, mm-hmm. at the at the meeting. And I was just thinking to myself, oh. Shit, she's gonna look awesome in the cat suit in this pink <laughs> set. Like I was just waiting for yeah. it to happen at that point. So I, yeah. I'm totally on board with that. Oh yeah, yeah that that tracks because if she would have got this job at Shrek's department store, she mm-hmm. would have been stoked. Yeah, like and especially in a, an executive assistant job to like Max Shrek, like that's a big deal. But then it turns out that. He's awful. Mm -hmm. When she says something at the meeting, he says she hasn't been housebroken yet. Yeah. In front of her. So cruel. (laughs) 
Oh my god, that's horrible. And and all the other guys are like, yeah, that's Selena. <laughs> She's incontinent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this apartment meant? though, right? Um, this apartment though, I absolutely love. Oh, um, obsessed with this apartment. I'm, I would live in yeah. this in a second. And that's the, that's the other thing too. It is supposed to be kind of like oppressive and like sad and all that but as soon nope. as she walks in we're, the two of us are watching it last night going I'd live there I think it's kind of cute <laughs> totally with, with she's like got a, a Murphy bed half an inch of lead paint stuck to the walls yeah. this giant girder just running right through oh yeah totally like the living room um, I love though that there's little touches throughout the apartment um, she's got a little teeny Christmas tree that's just like on a shelf, really small. Um, you know, she's got all her stuffed animals. It also has a very, and this just goes along with Tim Burton and Bo Welch and their aesthetic, but it has that like Edward Scissorhands, like mid sixties mm-hmm. kind of yeah, like definitely. modern, uh, aesthetic to it with, uh, that, um, kind of upholstery cover thing that's that's on the little love seat with the little like pom-poms mm-hmm. on yeah. it and all that um she has she has good taste well i think so yeah <laughs> but um we you know we set up this apartment and that's that's another thing it's 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 pink but it's a faded pink yeah you know Almost um, like a peach. Yeah. Scott mm-hmm. so was seeing it as like a peach color. Blush. Yeah, blush, as you <laughs> said. And in, in uh, Blush or Bashful, um, in the commentary, we did watch a little bit of the commentary as well. And, and Tim Burton remarked that he wanted it to be a, a faded pink. Like, it was painted pink and lovely and bright at one point, but it's just been a while. Right. And yeah, it's just so completely faded. Like a almost tobacco stained pink yeah. i didn't peg her for a smoker yeah. but um but yeah, yeah it, right it's that kind of faded grossness i mean i don't know if she is a smoker she plays racquetball because that 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 one guy who <laughs> who canceled on her i was in a comment that like it sets up on her answering machine all of these oppressive figures in her life one being her mother yeah, which, oh, yeah. Who actually calls out a lonely secretary in Gotham oh, City. So and then... Everybody's negging the shit out of her. <laughs> this douchebag guy that stands her up for Christmas because he has to work on himself. And then uh, the robocall of Gotham Lady Perfume, which That's I think right. is so brilliant. Yeah. And then she bashes her answering machine. Um, Bruce <laughs> bashes his TV in the Batmobile when the when the Penguin is on it. Oh, yeah, he punches the shit out of that TV. Yeah, puts his fist through it. Uh, I can't think of any other technology <laughs> technology <laughs> anger. But Well, Bruce, also, when he's when he's playing the audio of, of the Penguin talking shit on Gothamites, he does a little, like, a little <laughs> DJ <laughs> scratch. <laughs> yeah. And also, he can record on CDs, you guys. He can oh, my goodness. He can record on CDs. He's burning that shit right onto a, yeah. a compact disc. What? Who could do that? He's got a stack of minus R's. <laughs> um, what does the Gotham Lady Robocall say about about wooing your boss for late night 
late night meetings. Yeah. Uh, it's it's, a, it's an amazing piece of audio. We'll drop it into the episode. Yeah. Um, but this is where she, you know, she finds out that she has to go back to work because she forgot something. Oh, yeah. And um, self-message. It was a time before Palm Pilots or text messaging and notifications that you have to leave a message on your answering machine <laughs> yeah. to remember to I do remember something. That. I remember that. I mean, there were post-it notes. You could just leave them everywhere. But, um, yeah, so when she goes back to the department store, everybody's gone home. This is after Shrek has been kind of abducted by the penguin for the first time. Yeah. Um, But this is where we get Catwoman's origin story. And this is the most, like, I guess, supernatural, like, element in any of these movies. Cats just go, oh, yeah, she's the one. She's the she's the rat king of she's the cat queen, <laughs> and they, they all... chew those fingers back to life. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, they they all. But I think it it works. Her. It works so well on the screenplay because it's not like you're gonna. It's not like you're calling out. Why does Selena know how to do backflips and climb walls? Right. That she's just like this new person. Yeah. After this. Right. She's been brought back from the dead, and now she just has these supernatural cat powers that you just don't really question as the as the viewer. Yeah. Agreed. I didn't question it. They could have set her up as like a, a gymnast or like a break dancer or something. <laughs> but like <laughs> an orphaned gymnast break dancer from an from a gymnastics break dancing family. Exactly. That the, was killed by Max Shrek. The spinning Kyles. <laughs> I like it. And her entire costume is made of cardboard. The scene where Michelle comes back to her apartment and you mm-hmm. see the scene reflected of Honey, I'm home. Oh, I forgot I'm not married. And you can just see, oh, this bitch has changed. Yeah. And you see her just decimate this sad apartment. Yeah, that was a good And I love it. I live for it. I think it's so incredibly empowering to just see this woman enraged. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And um you see her construct the suit or the costume. Oh she project runways that. Yeah. (laughs) Out of like a trench. Um although she doesn't split the seams, she just cuts those sleeves right off. Mm -hmm. She just hacks those sleeves off with the scissors. Yeah. She has seam splitters, you know she does. She's got all those other things. She also has like like twelve gauge wire and she's got gear. She was she probably did costumes on a couple commercials, thinking that she was gonna do some window displays at Shrek. Yeah. And then um she ended up as the executive assistant, there and it was go. taking up all of her time. She was going to start taking those LinkedIn classes, but <laughs> she was going to do Photoshop. She just didn't have time, man. She was never she was finally yeah. Photoshop was around back then. LinkedIn oh wasn't, God. but yeah, I I totally see where the dream just died, and yeah. all of that stuff would be available. To her and and the skill, obviously. So, yeah. And this new Selena gives no fucks. Oh no, 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 not at all. She's wearing a a, a dark eyeliner. She's got the full raccoon eye mm-hmm. and a red, a bold red lip. Oh yeah, love it. 
<laughs> I love this piece of score by Danny Elfman. This is my this is probably one of That's my really favorite good. scores by Danny Elfman, and I love uh, his Catwoman themes. There's a few different pieces of music that he puts on uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's scene. It's yeah. usually a lot of strings. Yeah, we see her walk into the frame through the window. It's the exterior of the building, and it's a slow push in of the window, but she's in the distance. She's in the deep distance. We don't get a good yeah. close up of her yet. That's all we see. Um, there's a similar shot in Edward Scissorhands that's from outside of the house through a window, slowly pushing in on Winona Ryder and Diane Weist, and it's very similar in the framing and the oh and yeah, the speed that's right. of how the shot slowly nice goes sketch. in. He does does a lot of like camera moves like that um michelle pfeiffer interestingly is she our only blonde Catwoman? like in the oh, canon so. of all the cat women that we've had it's, she thinks she's the only blonde that's interesting i didn't even think yeah. of that i'm surprised they didn't have yeah. her dye her hair for it i'm glad they did that's what i was thinking too mm-hmm. because this brings us to my next point was this role was famously recast at the last minute um, I'm sure everybody listening probably has this little nugget of information in their brain. Somehow. I don't. Who was it? Who was it? We should be? talk about it here. You don't know this? Oh, you don't know? I don't remember. Who was it going to be? It was. It was Annette Benning. Oh, wow. Annette oh, Benning yes, okay. did wardrobe. That. Yeah, she even did wardrobe tests. She. Um, I knew that. Yeah. She. Yeah, she found out that she was pregnant, and um, the clock was ticking and she just kind of figured that the timing just wasn't going to be right for her to do the role was too physical too physically demanding so she had to drop out at the very last minute so there are some pictures online the only pictures online are sculpts of the cowl Hmm. and the face underneath it is not michelle pfeiffer and it's a look for that yeah, and it's you can probably, see Annette's eyes. You can. See, it looks like an Annette Benning's eye, but it's mm-hmm. you know the eyes are closed, the faces. What do you call that? Repose. Um, well, that would have been cool because then she ended up in Captain Marvel, and then oh, yes. Michelle Pfeiffer ended up in Ant Man. So mm-hmm. she's a she's a crossover to both mm-hmm. universes, and supposedly Batman is getting. Keaton Batman is getting tied into their multiverse. In the it's giving the Flash, universe. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, man, I guess if you just wait if long enough, f- one of us is going to be in one of these movies. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> if that Flash movie ever gets made, I mean, come on, true, it's going to be a while. Yeah, hopefully. Um, I also think it's interesting that this Catwoman is so singular to this movie. Yeah. And I feel like now if they were to do this type of uh if they were to do this type of catwoman in a movie now, I think there would be even more backlash with fanboys of them saying, "Well, that's not the real catwoman." Right. But I point. think it's so cool that they felt like they could do something completely different with it. I don't know about you, Miss Kitty, but I feel so much yummier. Yeah, it, it, like they did with the penguin. So I guess, and mm-hmm. and then also uh, a, a new character out of whole cloth was Shrek. I, I yeah. do remember a lot of comics fans, um, uh, friends of mine, excuse me. Saying, like, who is this guy? And I think he only exists in this movie. I don't think that they oh, mm-hmm. 
I don't think they put him into the comics even after this. Yeah. Whereas Harley Quinn was sort of a construct for the animated series. And now she's, mm-hmm. she was a second tier character. Now she's at the top, just like Iron Man was sort of on yep. a second stringer and, you know, just the right movie puts, uh, yep. uh redefines the character completely. Obviously they didn't do it for Shrek. And, um, I think everybody loves Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman. So, yeah. And like you mentioned the animated series, when that got started, I remember being really excited because when they did introduce Catwoman, which is very early on in the animated series, her character design looks very much like this version. Although she is more of the classic character in that she's this cat burglar, jewel thief, you know, just kind of a classic villain. And they tried to sort of do that, but she was in the department store where she worked. Yeah. (laughs) I mean... I don't and, know what she and she's really there for. just to make chaos. Like she's not yeah. really going to steal anything. Like yeah. she just wants to break shit. No jewel thief. Yeah, no she's hype. just yeah, and that's the interesting thing about Catwoman is that the first time we see her kind of in action out on the street, you think she's going to save this. Well, she does save this woman, you know, but then you know at the very end she kind of turns on her. I just love a big, strong man who's not afraid to show it with someone half his size. Be gentle, it's my first time. Thanks, I... You make it so easy, don't you? Always waiting for some bad man to save you. neutral yes exactly it's almost a comment on just the damsel in distress yeah that like i'm so powerful that i don't even need to be saved and you shouldn't be either which is interesting which is a very different approach to a movie like this which Mm -hmm. i appreciate Mm -hmm. also the uh batman striking her and she objects to that and then he um sort of I, i don't even know how to I, I didn't even know how to process that watching it this time in the context of how things work today what's normal today i mean mm-hmm. um it, it was it, it wasn't as awkward as i thought it would be it, it almost made um my reaction a little bit more awkward than the exchange because it was I, I wasn't expecting it after all this time and i had to think about it for a minute like you know oh here he is Oh yeah, you're weaker than me, or, or so like whatever sort of baggage that he brought to that exchange right there, and then she kicks his ass and yeah. realizes that he's he realizes that he's in for a fight. So um, yeah, I just wasn't expecting. I, I didn't remember them trying to tread that water. Yeah, and that scene is almost. I would say it's almost just played for a laugh. Sure, in that in the yeah. Tim Burton style of like you know, comedy. Um, but yeah, it is, it's, it makes you think, but it's when she kicks him back and starts, you know, beating him up, I think it's played for a laugh. So 
kind of to tie it back into our podcast, mm-hmm. I feel like being a a little gay boy mm-hmm. watching this movie, mm-hmm. seeing this character of Michelle Pfeiffer in this movie, like you just wanted to be her. <laughs> like this is just especially yeah. for kind of kids my age that you just sort of gravitate towards this woman like she yeah. kind of speaks to uh the like she speaks to women she speaks to the gay community and it's just so interesting so pete's holding right now i have the catwoman action figure yeah, because of course i had the catwoman action figure and i lost it as a kid I lost I lost it uh, at my great. dad's place in the mountains, and I was super crushed. I ended up having an impromptu Catwoman funeral where I buried oh. the whip in my grandma's backyard just because I was so upset. And this was back when you just couldn't really go to the store and get a new one because well, also in Lewistown, nope. Montana, the toys weren't can. available anymore, yeah. and you couldn't get them online. So a few years ago, have you ever been to Frankenstein's in industry? No, it's a it's a it's essentially like a trade swap meet for it started out as just uh, sports like memorabilia and and baseball cards and stuff. But it's expanded into just, you know, toys. But it was uh, weekly. It was every Saturday. It was every Wednesday and Saturday in the city of industry in these big warehouses. And yeah, and I was walking down the aisles and I saw it. I'm like, oh, my God, Pete. (laughs) <laughs> there, there is my fucking Catwoman action figure That's that awesome. my gay yeah. ass had a funeral for in my grandma's backyard when I couldn't find it. Yeah, so I have her. I have her again. Yeah, and she she's mint really. in box. She's mint in box. I would, I would take her out to play with her, but I kind of like the box. So yeah, maybe if we she's going to stay in the box. That's vintage, literally. Yeah, it's maybe more than if we find a second. Like. This is, yeah, this is from Kenner. Definitely, yeah, more than twenty five years old. It's it's it this is actually mint in box. I'm surprised that that dude probably sold it to you for like eleven dollars. I think I bought it for around fifteen. Fifteen, yeah. yeah. Well done. This is really nice. I have the Catwoman action figure and she sits next to my Robin action figure from Batman Forever. Yeah. Her paint job looks pretty good on her face. We'll do we'll put some close ups of her face on uh on the Instagram and the Patreon. But um her her red lip is pretty full. I would say that the there's one imperfection, but I don't know if it's intentional. It's right under her eye. I almost think that they're meant to be eyelashes. Sure. Like a bottom lash. We'll okay. post a photo of it online. Oh, it is. It's a bottom lash. Yeah, You're really absolutely right. That. She has those stacked bottom <laughs> lashes. Yeah. But it's just... It's so cool of how this character and this persona has just sort of found its way into the drag community. If you're familiar with Alaska Thunderfuck from RuPaul's Drag Race, Alaska even has a very Michelle Pfeiffer delivery of how she talks in drag. Yeah. She sort of has that – it's almost like a vocal fry. Yeah. And just the of how she talks. Slow, yeah. yeah, it's a very slow, deliberate line delivery. Um, another thing in that in all of the uh, – like marketing for the movie, you really can see like this is the laser disc cover. Yeah, you really can center. see that like well, not only is she front and center, but her her skin tone is just white. Oh yeah, compared to yeah. Keaton is just more of like a flesh color, and sh- her and Penguin are just white. Yeah, grease paint right? down. Oh yeah, 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 and um, that's uh, yeah. That laser disc cover that's, is fantastic. 
It's fucking cool. So yeah, also, really yeah, it's great. I used to really watch this Laserdisc a lot as a kid in my grandparents' basement. So I would watch this movie multiple times a month whenever I would go and visit them. And I would watch the Laserdisc. And I found the laser at Amoeba. Yeah. It's, it's actually, it's on three sides. Mm-hmm. So two discs. Mm. Yep. Okay. Because it says side three. Did you watch it on Laserdisc this time or did you watch it like 4K? Did you see it? In we 4K? watched the Blu-ray. We watched it on Blu-ray. Yeah. Okay. The 4K is fantastic. I, I can't oh, I can of, imagine. I was blown away watching. Um, so you can tell the film stock changing from quality. You know, oh, that's cool. Shot. There's a couple of video pieces. Oh, sure. Clearly, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Uh, exported out to film, filmed out, mm-hmm. whatever you call it. But I was shocked at how beautiful it looked. I would, uh, yeah. I would, I'll watch it again just to see, to, just to watch it for the visuals and not try to take notes and and, mm-hmm. and uh, do that. But anyway, I, I digress. No, that's really cool. I, I love that there's really good transfers of these movies because I was telling Scott as we were watching it last night, I bought it uh, on VHS probably. After, right after, you know, when I was in college, I was like starting up a VHS collection. I probably got it at either Tower Records or, you know, Suncoast or mm-hmm. whatever. But I specifically bought anyway. all my, uh, yeah, probably. I specifically bought all my movies in widescreen, right? But this is a widescreen VHS that I would watch in my bedroom on a 19 inch TV. Yeah. <laughs> so this is like iPhone size, totally. right? Yeah. yeah. By the time it's on my television, it is fucking tiny. And there are just things that you just never caught, you know. Um, but um, specifically, there's a time at the end when Poodle Lady is... is Love like, Poodle Lady. Poodle Lady is doing like the, the countdown timer. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I just thought it was like a robot voice. Because there's a, like a couple of shots of her, and one of them, she's like really, really tiny. Yeah. On VHS, it would have been a robot voice. You wouldn't have been able to oh. assign it to a character. <laughs> yeah. And she's yeah. silent. She's but, silent uh, through the rest of the movie. So why would she be talking at the end? Exactly. She only gives off like sassy looks the entire time. Mm-hmm. And just her damn little poodle just does all her work for Dropping her. Grenades. Um, yeah. Catching... Catching the battering out out of thin air, this poodle. I mean, this is a this is a trained dog. But I I eventually bought it on DVD, and because it was an older movie on DVD, it was like the cardboard snap case, mm-hmm. the old style discs, you know. Yeah. And I think that was bare bones. Probably had nothing on it. And then yeah, then we got the Blu-ray, which the Blu-ray looks pretty good. I have yeah. to say, but yeah, the 4K I probably looks. I, yeah. I just watched the Apple streaming 4K, so I, I didn't. I don't mm-hmm. have like a physical media copy of it, which um, yeah, which would look even better. But I was oh, yeah. I was just floored at how much you could see, just how creepy um, the penguins' flippers looked, how fishy yeah. and gross, and uh, there was just the nails on the end of on the end of the yeah. on the end of the fingers. There's just, just like so yeah. much to see. The yeah. other thing about penguins' look too is um, the the prosthetics are really great, but on top of the prosthetics, there is makeup on top of that mm-hmm. contouring 
and highlighting to create planes and things. You know, the like, what are these parts of your forehead right here that, you know, that just kind of like squared off his his head. It, it, oh, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's amazing to look at, at, at the makeup job. And even... Even Catwoman, even Selena Kyle, it's like she's – it's just beauty makeup. But mm-hmm. the combination of the silhouette of the cowl with the dark eye makeup and everything just changes Michelle Pfeiffer's face and her crazy blue eyes mm-hmm. and how wide on her face they are. Mm-hmm. It's just like – Nobody else would look like that. There's a reason that if you look up Catwoman tattoo on Instagram hashtag, it's usually Michelle it's Pfeiffer. Pages and pages of Michelle right. Pfeiffer portraits. You know, I mean, she's got a pretty gorgeous mug. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's crazy with this. What what? How iconic this image? I'm losing track of Google topics here. I'm gonna have to <laughs> throw that one on too. After and then, some of the best. Some yeah. of the best lines of this movie, I think, are given to Danny DeVito. I think oh, that yeah. one of my favorite lines of the script is, hey, should I trust some cat broad anyways? Maybe you're just some screwed up sorority chook who's just getting back at her daddy for not buying her that pony when she turns sweet 16. That's Golan. I love it. You're just jealous because I'm the genuine freak and you have to wear a mask. Burn. Yeah, yeah. That was. Uh, was there that many one-liners in in Batman '89? I don't think there were. I think this. No, was, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I maybe Jack a, got a couple. Yeah, but, this yeah. is a 180 right back to um, mustache twirling mm-hmm. um, Batman '66 sort of. Yeah, and um, and they were all in, and then there was so much like raunchy stuff too, like. The, Oh I'll, yeah! Let me, let me show her my French flipper trick. <laughs> you come in twitching your little tail, yeah. just blowing right over That's the like eight-year-old Scott's the head when he's watching this. <laughs> that scene with where Catwoman is at Penguin's lair—that is right out of Adam West Batman. The it sure. just it just needed to just Dutch the camera. In that scene, and it's like you're there. You Can know? we talk about Penguin's office real fast? I oh, sorry I to it. sidetrack this. He's sitting those there fucked up his... like Venetian blinds. It, it looks like <laughs> it looks like the Adams Family movie in Gomez's office. Oh, yeah. Right in the beginning, it's yeah, just it sort does. of like a desk. Yep. Anyway, um, he's sitting there at this desk, and there's all the sideshow uh, friends are off to one side, like waiting for mm-hmm. orders. So it's pretty quiet. And then Shrek appears out of nowhere, walks him down the spiral staircase, and they've set up <laughs> a campaign headquarters. <laughs> he didn't notice. He's on yeah. the floor above it. How did, like, how did he get up? Does he have like a, a, a sewer chute down sure. so that he uses a bath access? Obviously, it doesn't <laughs> matter. They, they caught him flat-footed. Uh, munching on some sashimi uh, oh my when he God. came down the stairs, but uh, I just wanted to like out of the out of that pass where they were trying to get rid of the plot holes. <laughs> they left. They forgot about they that. They left a spiral staircase shaped one. But uh, I, I love. I never thought of. That. I love how Penguin is juxtaposed with 
gross young Republicans from the 80s, back when like <laughs> being a Republican was kind of cool and trendy, Yeah, that this office is full of bright white colors and you just get this gross gray blob in the middle of it. It's brilliant. <laughs> I love it. Well, that, that, su- that summer, Clinton was campaigning and got the nom. So um, that oh, was the, yeah. the end of Bush's first term. So, yeah, it was and probably only- a weird time to to talk about that sort of stuff. I didn't even think about it in that context either. Huh. Yeah, that's true. And why are you, why are you thinking about the election? Is this not late December? Those, um, those three bimbos that, that come up to mm. the penguin. I love them. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was, I was like hoping one of them was Christy Swanson. Oh yeah. I, I I looked at the first one, the second one, and I got to the third one. I was like, "Damn it! I really wish she was in there," <laughs> but it wasn't her. Yeah, but but we get we get Jan Hooks. Oh from, yeah, yeah, uh, that was from great. SNL. Yeah, from SNL and from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Say it with me, Adobe. And <laughs> glaze. <laughs> and glaze. I can't even remember the whole line. I just remember. It. Just the way she says glaze. <laughs> There's no basement at the campaign headquarters. <laughs> they are in the basement. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, okay. But, um, so again, yeah, these, it's these two villain characters that are front and center this entire time. Yeah. I, I really do love the scene though, where, where she, where she does infiltrate Shrek's lair. And there's a lot of like double talk, double entendre in that scene. Um, and she says, I feel, I feel so dirty. Maybe I'll just give myself a bath right here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. She has Michelle Pfeiffer herself has said, yeah, I put that bird in my mouth. I mean, that shot looks like that know. bird came out of her mouth. Yeah. That's pretty gross. Yeah. I, I, w- I was trying to think of, like, what kinds of bacteria-borne <laughs> risks oh, yeah. she took. <laughs> yeah. She licked a lot of that suit. She licked a lot she of did. Michael Keaton's face. She licked, <laughs> he even licked – he after licked it after she licked oh, it. Oh, yeah, he did. He, he went back <laughs> like, and – Mm, on get, get some of that. Oh yeah, this is also that scene where she licks his face. Uh, we haven't even talked about the um, the snow princess. Oh, we oh, live yeah. for the snow. We live <laughs> for the for the Christy Gotham. She, yeah, she has Christy Swanson vibes. Uh, what's her official title? The, I don't the... even remember. Is it Snow ice princess? princess? Is it the Ice Princess? Ice yeah. Princess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Watchers of Drag Race will notice that Sonique on the Christmas special, her workroom entrance, she was dressed as the There's Snow Queen, Queen. Yeah. or the the, the Ice Princess. Princess. Yeah. We'll um, we'll put a side by side of that up on the um, on the Instagram as well because that look is iconic. I just don't like trees. I'm an actress as well. <laughs> the tree lights up and then I hit and the button. I- <laughs> no, I hit the button and then the tree lights up. Yeah, she was yeah. a but she was a, a death. Um, also, Batman. Oh my God! Killed, oh yeah, Batman killed that guy when he uh, lit his dynamite, tucked into his belt, and chucked him into a into a grate. 
<laughs> and he set that devil him. guy on fire. Yeah. yeah. He burned that man alive. I mean, these are villains, but come on. He blew him up. Totally. And then that woman died on an on-screen death. The other ones were sort of, you know, implied. But... Yeah, you see her fall into that, like, plunger. Yeah. I want to see the, like, the grindhouse version of this movie where, like, the plunger, like, bursts out of her chest. What if a bunch of cats came up to her <laughs> dead body... There you go. It started chewing on her fingers. Or what? Okay, but we they, they already did that, so they're tired. But now the Rat King comes up and starts chewing on her, and she becomes Rat Woman. <laughs> Catwoman's arch nemesis. Catwoman, Rat Woman, and Penguin. What is that? <laughs> yeah, we could do this all night. Ugh. I'll I'll write that spec script. There we go. Rat, but yeah, the rat um. Queen. <laughs> I love, I love the rat queen, the rat king, bringing an ice princess back to life. It's uh, awful and disgusting, but I'm here for it. So, Catwoman's plan. Does she have a plan? I think that she just wants to knock Batman down a few pegs. Yeah, just a disruption. Yeah. I'm trying to remember why does she, she wants to take down the, the patriarchy. I think she has a beef with him because he, she was trying to just do mischief at Shrek's, and he was. She all she says to Penguin is, "He's in my way." Uh, okay, that's really right. all because, she says. Because the only one who would stop her from getting revenge on Shrek would mm-hmm. be him. Yeah. yeah, that checks. Ban the bat. Yeah, that's it. She doesn't. She's not trying to rob anybody. She's not trying. I mean, she is trying to take down Batman, but only because if he wasn't in her way, if he wasn't trying to stop her explicitly, if he didn't know who she was, she could get away with and it. And she sees that they've taken it too far. That they didn't mean to hurt the Ice Princess. Yeah. Of when she sees all of the chaos down below mm-hmm. on Gotham, she knows that like she really didn't want to cause all of this. Yeah. She just didn't expect and- to fall in love along the way. There you go. And this is where we get another uh, another great Penguin one-liner and some cool Penguin tech with his uh, helicopter umbrella. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is amazing that he, like, wraps around her neck, sends her off flying. I don't think I like you anymore. I don't think I like you anymore. You lousy <laughs> minx. Yeah. You ought to be spayed. And, like, when he's like, oh, yeah, we should totally, like... Go back to my place and bone, and Catwoman yeah. is like, "Hell no! <laughs> you are I'm gross. not going to go have sex with you. You are gross." <laughs> I'll come back later. <laughs> that was a really good line. I'll come back later. That's yeah. Right. She just is like, "I'll come back later," and his directness too. Like, I don't think I like you anymore. Okay. Yeah. We, we don't. Very direct. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so Catwoman is just, she's just wreaking havoc, wreaking mischief. She doesn't really have a grand supervillain plan because she's really not a supervillain. She's just kind of, yeah, she's kind of making this up as she goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She's always just been sort of cat and mouse, sorry, with Batman. Just always, yeah, the politics of courtship with masks on. Um. But that brings us to a great scene that I love, 
which is the Christmas party. Yes. The costume Christmas party. Did you know I did not know that this is the Shrek department store? I didn't know it was the same set. <laughs> like, I didn't know that until I re- really realized in this viewing where she says there's a California king in, like, the mattress section. Do you want to go bone? And I'm just like, oh, wow. They are, like, in the middle of – they moved all of the department store shit for this ball. But also, hadn't she just blown it up like a couple scenes earlier? Oh, I didn't even think of that. Maybe it's uh, you sure. know, maybe it's and the, maybe that that was sporting goods. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is on the other side, and, and the other thing that building didn't come down on top of the. <laughs> hey, hey! Oh, throw, throw a bomb <laughs> into the basement, and nothing happens. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't quite jet fuel. It was just. Uh, it's true. It was just. One tank that said gas on the side of it. Right. Correct. <laughs> that was in the wall for some reason? Yeah. Is, are there propane tanks built into walls in department store? I don't She bust that she bust that open with her with, with her, her like fist. Her fist. Well, yeah, I didn't realize it was I, a department store either until the same the same uh talking about the the bed the size of the bed. Oh yeah, right. Mm-hmm. That would be in house that would be on the other side of housewares. Um, go pick your china pattern at Shrek's. <laughs> I live for the sequined gown. Is it sequence or sequined? It's a sequined gown. Sequined gown that she comes down the stair in. Sequin is one. <laughs> so a sequence would be more than one. Little little Roxy Andrews humor um, for you. So, she, okay, so she's wearing a, a sweet sequin gown. She has the little tiny pistol in the garter belt yeah but the biggest the biggest gag of the scene is the fact that it's a masquerade ball and they are obviously they're the only two your two superheroes aren't wearing costumes costumes, they're coming as themselves (laughs) because their disguise their alter ego is the real costume well done that's a that's a hot take right there yeah I uncovered it for you, but I um, did like the mayor's. The mayor's simple costume was just a knife in his back, which was mm-hmm. pretty good. Very like Caesar. Yeah, exactly. Was he wearing a mask or did... no? He was just wearing his. Yeah, tux see, he wasn't wearing a mask with mm-hmm. the well, with the uh, sword in his back or, or yeah. a dagger or I, something. Yeah, I did like the I did like the the big Mona Lisa with very yeah. looked very oh, cumbersome, good. but a cool costume. There was also like the Phantom of the Opera, like Mask of the Red Death guy, the on the stairs, kind of like, kind of like obscuring Selena before she walked in. I need to go back and just look at the costumes again. I'm, There's I some feel cool like I stuff. So, yeah, I feel like I missed so much, especially for a Burton joint. Yeah, and again, this is something that in the Schumacher movies would have just been, you know. Purple gels. It would have been like a, a twenty-minute set piece of the movie. Yeah. True, and um, and iconically, we get this Susie and the Banshees song, face to face, face to face. And when you listen to the lyrics of this song, well, it was written for the movie, written for the movie. Yeah, I love that. So, did you watch the new movies that made us on Nightmare Before Christmas on Netflix? Uh, it just no. came out. No, and yeah. production of Nightmare talks about that. Tim Burton would just sort of give them directions because he was so busy making this movie in Los Angeles that they were 
it was kind of the company that would be Leica that's based out of Portland now. Yeah, yeah. But I think they were doing it out of the Bay Area, and they sort of had this back and forth with Burton as he was making this movie. But the interesting thing is uh, because Nightmare Before Christmas and Batman Returns are made concurrently, you can hear a lot of Nightmare Before Christmas in this score. Yes. Mm-hmm. There are bits of this score where the Red Triangle gang is just making mischief in Gotham, and it sounds like making Christmas. There's a lot of just little cues here and there that just tie in so much to to the Nightmare Before Christmas soundtrack. I mean, Danny Elfman, I think, was probably just working. Oh, yeah. Writing them both at the 90, same time. 90, 100-hour weeks, you know, I, I scoring did, these movies. I did like, and I meant to say this earlier, I did like the way the Batman theme was recorded yeah. better this time around. Um, th- there was just, yeah. th- uh, I don't know how much they change the arrangement or the orchestration or anything but there's different it's a little more pumped up yeah there's different flavors that are coming out of it in in the beginning especially um but that's all i'll say about the music i totally enjoyed this they didn't have that hack prince in the way (laughs) yeah Yeah, everybody I, i remember that having both of those soundtracks. I had the original score yep. and I had the Prince soundtrack. Both were fantastic. They, they, I only had the Prince one. I didn't, I didn't appreciate score as much because I was so young to think about, like to me, it was just like, well, that's just, it was just classical music, you know, to me, to my ears yeah. at the time, I was like, why would I want to hear that? I want to hear the songs. You I know? was a band nerd. Um, so it, yeah. There we yeah. go. I was I was also in band and I was a big score geek. Pete yeah. got me the Batman Returns vinyl from Mondo Records. Yes. It's a really beautiful vinyl great. and yes. it sounds amazing. Sounds really good. Well, and that's the other thing too. Is a lot of the instruments you hear in this are uh, there's just like that classic Danny Elfman sound or whatever. It's just mm-hmm. there's a lot of like these woodwind things going on and like and the percussion and all of that just kind of like oh this sounds this sounds like this song from Nightmare and this song from Nightmare sounds like this bit of score in, in Batman Returns. There's even a little tiny bit in Edward Scissorhands that kind of like floats through there. See, I, I had this friend. I, mean, I had this friend that transferred schools. Um, when beginning of sixth grade, he was from LA. I was still living in Reno, my hometown. And he's mm. the one that introduced me to Oingo Boingo. So that would have been, yeah. that would have been uh, fall of 86. And um, I kind of knew about them because of like back to school and uh, mm-hmm. uh, weird science, obviously, but it was yeah. Chris that sort of like introduced me to the records and uh, like only a lad. So I was a big Danny Elfman fan. And when he started doing movies, I felt betrayed for like five minutes, but then okay. it was just more Oingo Boingo. It was, oh, yeah. it was so, it was just like a different aspect. He he was my idol at the time. And, uh, and then Steve Bartek, the, I think he's a guitar player for Oingo Boingo. He was the one that was doing all the orchestrations as Danny would write it. So it was just okay. basically Oingo Boingo. So I, yeah. I was on board in every way with this Batman stuff. 
And Did you ever get to see any of the Oingo Boingo uh, Halloween shows here in no, LA? No, no. Neither did I. I feel so. They always stupid. do a big nightmare one too. Yeah, so no, you know, and we we have Dylan. You and I have mutual friends that would go to those. Yes, like I multiple would always, times. I'll go next year. Uh, I'll yeah. go next year. And then there wasn't Me too. A next year. Yep. And then there wasn't a next year. <laughs> yep. Son of a. I mean. There's not enough great things to say about how Danny Elfman just kind of changed the way that movies sounded. Yeah. Like, you didn't really hear character themes like that before. Yeah. I mean, there's always, like, the John Williams that just kind of really elevated movie themes. And that's a also John Williams was kind of taking a note from, like, the big swashbuckle movies of, mm-hmm. like, the 40s. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Danny Elfman's character themes of when you listen to Edward Scissorhands, Batman, Batman Returns, uh, yeah. Sleepy Hollow, he just brings movies to a completely different place. We always do our annual revisit of Scrooge, and I always think, hmm. what would I think of this movie if you were to take Danny Elfman's score out of it? Yeah. And it wouldn't be as good. Nope, it wouldn't. It was such a... He was sort of like the musical Tim Burton, the other half of that. Oh yeah, part. Easy. He wanted something angular and sort of strange with a touch of darkness. Just listen, just Oingo Boingo lyrics are, you know, oh my god, yeah, sad <laughs> yeah. and scary. Yeah, and even even in Pee Wee's Big Adventure, like oh, it's yeah. just so out there, Off you know, wall. and yeah. yeah, and like the Simpsons theme song and all that stuff it's just like there's nothing more exciting than the breakfast theme of peewee's big adventure yeah that just always does it for me breakfast machine I'm nodding yeah. at a podcast. it's such a great piece of music yeah <laughs> big nod on the podcast hashtag nodding on a podcast yep. um yeah for for me it's it's the uh you know matt graining in the early simpsons commentary tracks saying I went to Danny and I said, you know the Jetsons theme song? And Danny goes, yep. And that was it. <laughs> and you and you got the Simpsons. <laughs> I didn't so know it's about like, that. I'm learning so oh, yeah. much. I hope everyone else is learning as much as me tonight. <laughs> it's all those uh, hours sit, uh, sitting in front of uh, movies that I've seen tons of Finally times, paid off. Listening to the commentary tracks. I, I need to see all of the Batman Returns swag, though, up on the social media accounts. I need to see Oh, yeah. Final. We're going we're gonna to put I it up there. I need to see the laser disc. Hey. All right. Let's get, <laughs> let's get back to... The, I can listen to this Let's get back day. to the last act of I can listen to Batman Returns. Yes. Well, Spare you from all of our nerd stuff. Well... Uh, you know, the last act of Batman Returns is a lot of explosions. <laughs> the Penguin has explosions. fully said, fuck y'all, I'm jumping in the sewer and I'm going back to my children. I love that shot of Danny when he comes in with that goddamn rubber duck. And he's like, I'm back, my babies. Like, he's returned home to his penguins. After he's been exposed as a grosso, and he says, fuck you, I'm not running for mayor anymore, and literally jumps in, into the into the river, into the sewer. Yeah. He rips off the suit. Yeah. This is the real me. By the way, the, like, the fatty suit that they have Danny DeVito in, oh my god. Oh, I love it. The yeah. bot, like, it works. Like, you can see the, like, his body underneath this, like, weird onesie. And it's it's a really good fatty suit. Yeah, it's pretty successful. That is the same bridge that he was dropped in as a baby, right? 
I believe mm-hmm. so. Yeah, yeah, I think that's yep. the intention. And um, he has this master plan that he's sort of been working on secretly that he's going to steal all of the firstborn children of Gotham City. Yeah. But it's essentially just to set up your last act to showcase all of your villains meeting in person. Yeah. Which is, I mean, hey, it works for me. I love <laughs> those moments with Michelle and Michael mm-hmm. when they're meeting face to face. They rip off their masks and they see each other. And I like that you get this moment of vulnerability that Sel- Selena is falling for Bruce Wayne and she snaps right out of it. Not you and Max. <laughs> <laughs> Max. Now, don't give me a killing Max won't solve anything speech because it will. Aren't you tired of this sanctimonious robber baron always coming out on top when he should be six feet under? I have a lot of problems with your boss, but I mean, who the hell do you think you are? I don't know anymore. Bruce. <laughs> Like she says that, like, I just couldn't live with myself. That line now just gets it. It just gets to me now because she knows that it's bullshit. Yeah. That she would never be happy living in Wayne Manor as his wife. This is her. Yeah. Shaking my head. (laughs) I mean, it's unfortunate that she's gotten to this point, but you're right, though. It's like it's it it really resonates. Um, And it's just I mean. Michelle Pfeiffer so good. Yeah. Those how she's scenes, delivering it. Oh, my God. She's killing it in those last scenes. I Did we it. talk at all about how she looks in that cat suit? <laughs> A little bit. And that's what's <laughs> so gr- great about the costume design for it is that it starts out slick and beautiful. Yeah. And you just see it deteriorate oh, yeah, as apart. the movie yeah. goes on. Totally and then by apart. these last scenes, it's just falling off of her. Yeah. And when she takes off the cowl, you just get this crazy explosion of makeup and blonde hair. Yeah. Just this curly, like, blonde mess. It's, yeah, it's really effective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she has held on to the taser mm-hmm. oh, yeah. from the... Set up very early in the movie. That's set up at the beginning. She takes it from one of the the clown mobsters. Yeah. I love that she's held on to this little piece through the through the whole thing um, and uses it against against Shrek when he's like when he's like shooting her and she's like counting down like mm-hmm. all the lives. And this is where oh the oh supernatural so quality about her being born into Catwoman, it's like you don't really question it mm-hmm. of just this is like, of course, she's not going to die when you shoot her. Mm hmm. You have to I do also, it multiple times, and cats have nine lives. I also yeah. thought she could be just bluffing about that, too. Like, these are just not yeah. mortal wounds yet, and there's yeah. no way she's going to survive this. But she's a little bit 
She's just she that crazy. Still be mm-hmm. on her feet. So there yeah. is some magical realism to that. So uh, yeah, you can you can look at it both ways. Yeah, yeah I agree. Exactly, I agree. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we get this final like kiss goodbye from mm-hmm. from Selena, which I don't know if in the original script does she make two face in that moment i don't know is that kind of a pull from an earlier draft that just sort of filtered down into this i can't imagine that we would have gone two entire movies to get two face at the end sure that would have been crazy that would have had to have been way earlier on in the movie. i like to think it's a remnant from an earlier draft yeah that little shriveled up skeleton yeah it's very. It's like it's definitely someone that you would see in the waiting room in Beetlejuice. Oh. <laughs> his handbook sitting there on his chest. You're messing up my hair. Want a yeah. cigarette? I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to quit. That's I'm trying to quit. That's how he died. That's how he died. That's how you died. I love that scene. <laughs> Listeners, subscribe to our Patreon because you can listen to Pete and I's commentary yes, from Beetlejuice that we did a few months ago. <laughs> you can watch Beetlejuice with us right there in the room. Oh, man. Catwoman's kind of like little swan song at the end, though. Mm-hmm. This was also kind of an addition to the script. Yeah. I feel like that she, originally she just died. They added it last minute. Mm-hmm. I think that they probably got it with a double. Oh yeah, too. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Her fight double. Bruce or Wayne. Bruce Wayne picks up uh, Miss Kitty in his town car. Oh, Miss Kitty. Yeah, he gives he gives yeah. Miss Kitty a home. Yeah. Alfred, stop the car. Alfred drives like <laughs> another twenty five feet. <laughs> <laughs> I almost felt like the double of Selena. I mean, at the time, I remember seeing her come up, and you only see her from the back. And I almost thought it looked almost like, um, like a puppet or like sure, you know. I, I mean, it, it, was an it very well could be an effect shot yeah. too, some uh, cat or something. Yeah, could be. Could be her. Could be like a life cast because I'm sure that they did. I'm sure they did a life cast to get that costume on her, especially for the the head, the cowl, yes, for the mask. Yeah, so that's a, I didn't it. Almost think looks, that. yeah, it almost Probably looks like is. when she because she comes up from like a crouching position and stands, and then it almost looks like they rock it mm-hmm. a couple of frames. Sure, so is that a Stan Winston creation? It, I don't know. Yeah, it looks like they rock her back and forth to give her a little bit of movement. Did Stan um, Winston just take one of the one of the Terminator? Robots from T2. <laughs> and just put and put a Catwoman cowl on <laughs> and just, it, and just put a cat suit on Possibly. it. Possibly, but I mean that that was my eleven year old brain just being like, "Oh, look at that." Um, who knows? Maybe it's maybe it's a lady in a suit. What do I know? So we should probably briefly talk about Catwoman, the spinoff movie. I have a feeling <sighs> we'll probably just be doing the Halle Berry Catwoman yeah, episode sure. onto itself. Oh but God. yeah, I mean, this was a sequel. That had been talked about pretty much ever since that last shot. Yeah. Of that, will Catwoman get her very own spinoff? And I want to say that Daniel Waters even wrote maybe a script of first draft or a treatment of a Catwoman spinoff. I mean, 
We need to get him on the show to answer these questions. I think we can. Uh, what we ultimately got with the Halle Berry Catwoman movie, I'm not mad at it. Sharon Stone? <laughs> I, lo- I love Stoney in that movie. I think she's great. That porcelain face. Wink, wink. I'm going to have to watch it. Yeah. I never saw it. And that movie is just sort of a big, that's its own big bag of crazy that yeah. sort of exists in a similar universe to this movie because there are uh, there is a reference to Michelle Pfeiffer mm-hmm. because it's almost building that there's a whole uh, generations of Catwomen. Yeah. We see the picture at mm-hmm. Ophelia Nutz's house. <laughs> oh, Oh, is are that... you talking about Ophelia Powers? Oh, I thought I thought her name was Ophelia Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> it's Ophelia Powers, which is even better. Played by uh, Francis Conroy from Six yeah, Feet Under. How about that? <laughs> I'm taking that in my version. Value, it's Ophelia Nuts. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen it, so I just have to believe what you say. Just, just take it. And I feel like Michelle was very vocal of I'm not going back to doing that role oh yeah i'm not getting back in that she's fine i'm not getting back into that latex suit no and i want to say that like ashley judd was attached to it at one point too for a while Mm -hmm. but you know we got what we got yeah what do you want (laughs) yeah and soon we will have costume though right wasn't Halle berry's costume like a brown i want to say it's purple purple yeah there's uh, i don't know there's like uh Bullets? I don't know what's going on. There's a lot going on. But soon we're going to have Zoe Kravitz. Yeah. So I'm excited for Zoe Kravitz, too. Yeah. I'm, I'm That's really going to work. I'm excited about that. I, I, I thought Pattinson was a really good choice. I'm excited to see yeah. what he's going to do. We're definitely going to do Batman 1989 because I do have an affection for... Vicky Vale. Vicky Vale. <laughs> I love Vicky Vale in that movie. I think Kim Basinger is great. Yeah. So we'll eventually get to that too. Those huge glasses, mm-hmm. love it. She just looks like a a Mugler. She does. She looks like a, a Mugler woman. Yep. She looks like uh, Patrick Nagel. Patrick Nagel. She looks like a Nagel. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, we should probably wrap this up and talk about our final thoughts on Batman Returns and um, why we love it so much. My final thoughts on this movie is that I mean, it's just I feel like it's a movie that. My very earliest movie memories, I mean, were from Tim Burton movies. It's from watching Batman 1989. I remember catching Edward Scissorhands probably on HBO when it aired. That's why I kind of wanted to do a a vote face-off between Edward Scissorhands and Batman Returns. But just one of those kooky movies that is just from my childhood. Like, wanting to be Catwoman was like a childhood dream of mine. That I just looked up to this empowering character and just thought that she was so fucking cool. Yeah. Agreed. Enough said. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, yeah, she, uh, there's, there's a lot going on with her, with her backstory and everything, but, um, her arc is just, is just like retribution for being stepped on by shitty patriarchy we can all relate to that at jobs too (laughs) yeah totally um dylan she's clearly top of the call sheet she the movie is really about her batman's just a uh the secondary character um i have he's the dame in this movie yeah totally he's the he's the the arm candy 
Um, I do wonder if any other actors can wink as many times in a movie as Christopher Walken and get away with these days. I don't know if you noticed <laughs> how many times he winked at people while he's giving his lines, but um, unlimited poontang. That's that should have been the tagline. Oh my god! Yeah. And returns. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna capture the audio of unlimited poontang. Make sure you get the captions on because I checked it. I crazy. Checked it. it says unlimited poontang. I should have just done it while I was oh watching it again. Oh my god! So we yeah. were just watching the trailer for Wild Mountain Time with Jamie Doran and Emily Blunt, and Christopher Walken has a crazy Irish accent. In it's that not movie. bad. I'm, I mean, an Irish person is going to disagree with me, but a for effort. <laughs> a for effort. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. All right. I love it. I love it. Oh man. Well, I mean, this has been a journey, but this was a lot of fun. Thank I you think guys we for kind of. Yeah, you're welcome for coming on. Thanks, man. I mean, you're our go-to back guest. Yeah, uh, you are. Our resident straight on the podcast. I'm down for for uh, revisiting Batman every time. They're just so... Um, man, I, I was running... I write down all these words and I can't remember them. They're so uh, um, full. They're, they're, they're so... Um, I keep wanting to say overwrought, overdone. Those aren't the words. They're just so well designed. They're overflowing. There we go. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Overflowing. No, I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. They, there's a lot there, but everything there is, is, um, and this, there for a reason. Then this movie's so much fun to watch just because, I mean, I hate to use the word blank check because that's from another movie podcast but it's tim burton's blank check movie i mean warner brothers just cut him like an 80 million dollar check to make whatever batman movie that you want and this is what we got yeah and i love it and every penny is up there oh yeah Mm -hmm. it's all it's all on screen it's all on screen oh man well uh this was this was a ton of fun but i think it's time to uh to bid you adieu Dylan, thank you so much for coming on. Merry Christmas, Dylan. This is our our Christmas episode. Yes, indeed. Hashtag bowing on a podcast. Um, We will uh, hopefully we'll see you soon in the future for maybe a Batman 1989 recap. But this was lovely and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. And thank you so much, everybody, for listening to our show. This was another great episode. This is the last episode of 2020. Oh, my goodness. Is it really? I remember back when, wow. like, Skyping and FaceTiming episodes was, like, a special occasion. Oh and now in 2020, it's just the new normal. Yes, indeed. It is indeed. But, um, hey, it's time to wrap it up. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, you guys. Our next week's New Year's episode should be really fun. It's going to be a ton of fun. It's going to be a ton of fun. I'm really excited for it. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Well, uh, like we said, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Oh, before we go, we want to say a couple more things, uh, but we would just love it if you would rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars. Give us five stars. Write us a great review. Maybe we'll read it on the air. You can find us on social media at Instagram 
and Facebook at Movies That Made Us Gay. And we are on Twitter at MTMUGPod. Yes, indeed. You can find me, Pete, on Instagram and Facebook at Peter Lasagna. And I'm Scott Youngballer on Instagram, Oscar Scott on Twitter, and just Scott Youngbauer on Letterboxd. Yes, See what I'm watching. Look them up on Letterboxd, guys. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.